0: everybody and welcome back to Roar Lions Radio. It has been a while, we apologize for that, but this is your host tonight, Nick Polak, back to host what should be a pretty entertaining episode of Roar Lions Radio. Um, Hopefully a little more fluid too, because my co-host and I are trying something new tonight where we have our video on and maybe that'll improve our timing, but... It's also raining. It's also raining. Uh, Matt, Matt Filipovitz of course is who I'm joined by. Matt, how you doing tonight?
1: Nick, I'm doing great. We have never done one of these where where I get to see your face, so I'm excited. I hope Blitz comes in frame at least once. It's a pretty big day. I'm pretty pumped about it. How are you?
0: Blitz isn't quite tall enough to reach this frame. My my camera's (laughs) angled upwards here a little bit. Uh, But I'm doing well. It's, you know, it's same old, same old. Time stands still. Days aren't real. It's been five
1: weeks since we last recorded. Oh, wow. Something like that. Since before, I know it was before the Jordan documentary aired.
0: Which says a lot because still nothing has changed in that time regardless. Yep. But, yep. Oh well. We move on. Uh, so we have a, some pretty interesting things to talk about today. There's been some big news as far as the NCAA is concerned uh, in terms of players being allowed on campus. Uh, we have kind of something we would normally do in the offseason that some, even though we're not really sure when football is going to start we're going to ask some questions about this team anyway and then you know as a final thing i i figure you know pe- people listen to us maybe they're curious to know a little more about us so i have some some fun quick fire uh get to know you questions at the end here no, for this do, podcast. these questions are about that's I what did these not questions are right. about
1: yeah. All right. I'm excited. Yeah.
0: Um, but, you know, first of all, I think the big news, the biggest news of the week is uh, what the NCAA put out uh, just yesterday. I believe it was um, about a change in when kind of athletic activities are going to get to kind of really start rolling again. Um, what do you what what is blah, blah, blah. what did the NCAA really tell us? So the NCAA
1: moratorium, kind of their ban on on-campus team activities was set to expire uh, in pretty much, I guess it's about a week now on May 31st, you know, a week, nine days, whatever you want to call it. They have uh, voted to lift the moratorium starting June 1. So June 1 is now the first day the NCAA says athletes are allowed back on campus. And of course, the conferences still have to approve that and then individual schools. So today, the SEC kind of set the bar here and said June 8th is the day they're going to start allowing their athletes back on campus. So that's coming up really, really quickly. And Illinois uh, has already joined them and officially releasing a statement saying they're going to come back June 8th as well on the Big Ten side. And also Ohio State uh, will be returning June 8th. So nothing yet from Penn State. We're going to have to see kind of how things play out. Um, Center County was one of the first counties to be put in the yellow phase um, by Governor Wolf. Um, And I know they're starting to phase some yellow counties into green just a little bit ago a lot of the western side of the state is moving into green so we don't really know what that means yet and kind of how they're going to go about it but it's definitely a step in the right direction for kind of getting the ball rolling on bringing back these athletes so it it is football before i forget it is football and then men's and women's basketball athletes i believe who are allowed back on campus or to start voluntary workouts they're not going to be required they will all be voluntary uh starting the second week i guess it would be of june
0: and then real quick, just to clarify, since I don't live in Pennsylvania, what what is the difference between the yellow phase and the green phase?
1: So the um, we don't really know yet. It's kind of everything's been in either the yellow or the red phase here on the eastern side of the state. Yeah, I'm not in Florida anymore, everybody. The more you know. Um, so we're, we're not quite little,
0: coast to coast anymore.
1: We We are not coast to coast anymore. We are northern half of the U.S. to northern half. Um, anyway, so green phase, it, it could be coming out now as we speak, because I, I think as we record, the press conference is currently happening. But a yellow phase, uh, counties were still not allowed to open up gyms and things like that in the yellow phase. And Center County is still in the yellow phase, and they will be. Um, they're not in the first round of, of counties shifting to green Um, But by and large, it it was really nothing that would affect uh, directly college athletics. It was just some in-person retail was allowed to resume um, gatherings of, I think, 25, as many were allowed. Maybe it was 20, um, as opposed to red, which is the most restrictive, which a lot of us here on the east side are are still in. So we'll see kind of how that happens. I know Wolf has said that he wants all of the state to be in the yellow phase by June 4th, I believe. So I would imagine a County like center County, this is all speculation, a County like center County that has moved to yellow very early would kind of be one of the first ones in this next round to shift over to green.
0: Right. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, so I mean that's.
1: That was very long-winded and probably very confusing, but
0: <laughs> still, you know, I mean, good I mean. good news for those of us that would like to see college football played this fall. Um, yes. Obviously, a return to optional practices doesn't guarantee anything as far as um, as far as the fall is concerned, uh, because we don't really know what's going to happen with the virus uh, in that time. It could very easily re reappear, not reappear, but it could very easily. Uh, kind of shoot back up again. And so it's hard That's to second say. That's wave everyone's talking about,
1: which has made a lot of colleges really shift their plans. Um, I know Notre Dame is just going to say, semester's done after Thanksgiving. So instead of sending all those students out to kind of, you know, they're, they're all congregated on campus and then sending them out to their homes to come back for two weeks to take finals, uh, I, I think was a really smart move to not have them do that anymore. So Schools like Notre Dame and I know South Carolina off the top of my head are schools who are just either going to end the semester uh, that weekend of Thanksgiving or are just going to shift then to online for finals to kind of to kind of limit the second wave, which coincidentally, we'll call it, also happens to line up with when they can have football season. Mm. So we will, we will have to wait and see to see kind of what other schools say going forward. I think Syracuse might be in that list as well, now that I think about it, but I'm not sure.
0: I mean, that just makes a lot of sense in general. I mean, a- as a general rule coming back after thanksgiving never made sense to me. You're you're back no, for I mean, what? 2 weeks? 3 weeks? Yeah, you're back
1: you're back for 2 two two weeks and then finals week is what it used to be. I don't know. I'm I'm a big proponent of, of instead of 2 15 week semesters, just have it be 3 10 week trimesters. Yeah. I think you can really do a lot better that way. So we'll have to wait and see see kind of how that stuff plays out kind of as we as we start working our way into the summer here.
0: Yeah. And we're, we're not going to go into discussing what we think is going to happen with football this fall here, just because it's really, it's, it, it doesn't mean anything at this point. We have no idea. We're not health professionals. We don't have any inside scoop. And we've talked about it enough on Twitter. On uh, I know Matt wrote a good post about some options. Uh, other Matt wrote a good post about the bad Matt. The bad Matt some different options of what football could look like. Uh, I, I think the only thing that's really concrete out there, I believe uh, there was some sort of quote that said... Jim Delaney, maybe Jim Delaney, maybe college football as a whole is not really interested in playing in the spring. It kind of seems like fall is still the end-all be-all, um, but we'll see on that. And well, we won't get further into that because there's just no point to. Instead, let's pretend that we're in a world where college football is you know, it's, it's ready to go. We're getting ready. We're kind of ramping up our our coverage looking forward to the fall, because we're gonna go ahead and ask some
1: We're getting our Media Day quotes ready. Oh yeah, Media Day was was yes, canceled. Media or Day gonna be canceled. shifted. That also happened today. Yeah. Should mention that.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. We will we would be getting ready to talk about Media Day right now. It's it's definitely weird that we're not, but you know. Oh well. We we carry on. Instead, we're going to pretend like it is and pretend like everything's normal. We're gonna ask some questions about this Penn State roster because no matter when the next season takes place there are some big legitimate questions that need to be asked about every position on this roster um we're going to start with offense here, if we have time. We'll go into the defense as well. We might split that up and send that into the next podcast. Who knows? Uh, but we're just going to go position by position here. And Matt and I actually brainstormed a whole bunch of questions. Some of these we're going to write about on the site. The ones that we're not writing about the site, we're actually going to talk about right now. So uh, be sure to check out that piece, when it pu- those pieces when they publish on the site as well. Should be early Probably next week. Probably early next week. Yeah, early next week. Yeah. Monday and Tuesday, I would imagine. Um, so let's go ahead and dive right in here. Let's start at quarterback. And a big, big question that has to happen here, and actually is kind of funny considering who Sean Clifford has been training with during during this time off here. Um, but can Sean Clifford take the next step as a passer under Kirk Shiraka now, similar to the way that Tanner Morgan did last year at Minnesota? What do you think, Matt?
1: Are you Are you alluding to him working out with uh, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota? I
0: was alluding to him working out with Tanner Morgan. <laughs>
1: Oh, was he? Oh, yeah, he was there. I guess he would have been there too. Yeah, oh, appar- apparently
0: they've been, they've been friends since like middle school.
1: Huh. I always thought Tanner Morgan was older, but I guess he's also a Richard Junior now.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh. he. It said that he's a Northern Kentucky kid, so that's basically okay. Cincinnati. So,
1: yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Um. So, can do I think Sean Clifford can take the next step? Uh, I think absolutely. I don't think the question is as much on Sean Clifford's talent as it is the pieces surrounding him. Uh, Clifford's a really smart guy who who's played under a um, a really accomplished not only head coach but Ricky Ryan did a pretty good job. He, he got for all the slack he gets, he did get a head coaching job before he was forty at an FBS school. There, there's no other way to put it other than you know he definitely knew what he was talking about. And it's a very similar. What Kirk's gonna run is a very Similar style offense to what Ricky Ronnie just ran, so I don't see any reason why he can't take a really big step forward. I think not having spring ball is a is a real bummer, and not being able to work with his own receivers because, let's be honest, outside of you know KJ and Pat last year, nobody really looked like he had a good connection with Clifford. So I, I think that's really going to be a focus for when guys do opt to return to campus if if they indeed have a season and we can do this. But I, I, there's absolutely no reason why Sean Clifford can't take a really big step forward. I'm not expecting, you know, a Joe Burrow ask, you know, jump, but you know, to say he can't increase, you know, his completion percentage by you know five to seven percentage points, why he can't throw for you know six hundred more yards, why he can't throw for eight more touchdowns—that that's absolutely reasonable to expect.
0: Yeah, I agree. I- For me, when I look at what he did last year, I think the areas he has to grow in mainly come um, as far as his accuracy on his deep balls and just his improved uh, just willingness to throw over the middle of the field in kind of that 10 to 19 yard range. Um, And I think the thing that makes me optimistic about him going forward is that both of those things, to me, kind of come down to confidence he has the arm strength. He has the ability to put the ball where it needs to be to make those throws. We saw it plenty of times. It's just a matter of, one, trusting his offensive line to allow him to step up into his throws, two, trusting his receivers to go go make plays for him, go get the ball, and then, three, just trusting his own his own arm. And I think that that's something that Kirk Scirocca should be able to kind of coax out of him he has such a great history to point to as far as his development of quarterbacks and his ability to call uh interesting and dangerous offensive attacks and he can he can do this and show this to clifford and say hey all you got to do is trust your arm to make this throw and like this is going to be a completely different offense we've talked a lot and we will continue to talk a lot about how the receiver group still has a long way to go in terms of being what it needs to be in order for this offense to take the next step. But the talent is there. The issue is not at all with the talent available. And if those guys can step up for Clifford, like you said, like the pieces around him step, if they can step up for him, then I see no reason why he can't take a a big step next year. Like you said, expecting something like a Joe Burrow leap is ludicrous, but expecting something like the Tanner Morgan jump is totally reasonable
1: for sure and I think having Kirk there to call plays is going to be a really cal- a really big calming presence for Sean Clifford I mean if you think about it Bill O'Brien if I remember correctly didn't have I mean he wasn't you know NFL offensive coordinator but that's still different than the college game he had no real college experience college play calling experience John Donovan didn't have all that much. Joe Moorhead didn't really have any. Ricky Ronnie, aside from a really great bowl game, didn't really have any. And Kirk's a guy who's been through the ringer at this level, not even at this level, in this conference. So he knows what he's doing. So I think having a guy like that that he can turn to and with Shiraka who's been through pretty much every possible scenario you can be through. I mean, the guy's won, you know, an FCS national championship. He knows how to coach quarterbacks in different situations, which I think is going to go such a long way towards making sure Clifford is, you know, not only confident but is also, you know, really competent in making a lot of the really tough throws that a guy like him can make. But just making sure he's has the, you know, arm ability both and then the confidence to be able to make those throws.
0: That's a really interesting point about Shiraka. It's something I hadn't really thought about. That, um, like you mentioned, all those guys didn't have a ton of play calling experience beforehand, or they were a guy like Joe Moorhead who had experience calling plays, but had been a head coach and was kind of jumping back into that offense coordinator role. This is the first time under Franklin that they've hired a guy who really has been an offensive coordinator for a long, sustained period of time. That's a really interesting interesting thing to consider that I, I totally hadn't considered at all, uh, and what kind of effect that could have as far as getting his guys on the same page sooner because he's had to do it and he's been doing it for so long. That's a really interesting point.
1: You, you can't tell me Sean Clifford can't match Tanner Morgan. You just, yeah, you, there, no. there's no way you can, you know, honestly tell me he can't match that production or even exceed it with how much talent he'll be surrounded by if those guys step up and just how much talent he has just as his own entity.
0: Yeah, exactly. The, like we said, it's just the, the kind of the neutralizing trait there is it, will he be confident enough to trust his own abilities to make those throws? Cause yeah, he told, he has all the athletic ability of Tanner Morgan, a guy that, uh, all of a sudden is being pegged as a potential first-round pick by various... This is my
1: favorite time of year. This <laughs> the, is my absolute favorite the, the time of year. The best time
0: of year is NFL draft analysts projecting Minnesota quarterbacks as first-round picks. It's the best Do time you think of
1: year. If I ha- I'm just going to try it.
0: To be, fair, to be fair, though, Tanner Morgan, much better NFL prospect than Mitch Leidner was. As much fun as it is all to right. compare the two.
1: I'm really happy with what I just did. I typed in Nate Stanley first round, and there were two articles that pop up right away on how Nate Stanley could be a first round draft oh, pick. Oh, God. Did he even get this drafted? Is amazing. He did, I think, by the Vikings really late. Oh, man. This is amazing. Every, so, if you know, if, everybody, if everybody just wants could, to
0: make Big Ten quarterback. everyone wants the Big Ten quarterbacks to succeed. That's what this comes down to.
1: That is true. All right.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Bounce over. Bounce over to question two.
0: Yeah, let's move on. Running backs. So one big thing that happened last year with the running backs, um, there was a lot of rotation. A lot of things, a lot of uh, a lot of carries for Jeremy Brown, a lot of carries for Noah Kane. Not a ton, but some carries for Devin Ford and kind of the similar situation with Ricky Slade. And as the year went on, it kind of seemed like guys started to kind of get pushed into certain roles seemed like journey brown was more of the first and second down back more of the uh, open field back noah kane very clearly became the hammer we saw that at the end of the iowa game uh we saw devin ford his kind of main purpose was one to spell journey brown on those more open field first down type uh roles and then also he got a good amount of goal line work as well and ricky slade uh was in there, you know, kind of occasionally more as a pass in passing down situations. Um, so the question is, do you think that next season we're going to see this group of running backs be start to be pigeonholed into certain roles, or do you think they will more freely rotate and let different guys start drives I think it's easy to see the way they could be pigeonholed. I think Journey Brown still profiles very well as the early down back. Not that he doesn't have the talent to be a three down back. He absolutely does. But when you have a guy with the power like Noah Kane or even true freshman coming in, he's not on campus yet, but Kayvon Lee is a big, big back who absolutely has the ability to be a short yardage goal line type back. Um, You have Devin Ford, who really seems like the best all-around talent in the backfield, who could be more of a third-down role there. So uh, what do you think, Matt? Do you think we're going to see these guys start to be pigeonholed into these roles, or do you think they're still going to be at least somewhat of a free rotation?
1: I think it's an interesting question because there's, there's a lot of lines of thinking to look at. I think Noah Kane should be pigeonholed into the fourth quarter, short yardage back. I, I was pretty adamant about this last year, and I think his game at Iowa really proved my, really made a really great case for for what I believe. Journey Brown is arguably one of the best backs in college football, and Devin Ford has all world potential. And Kazea Holmes, early enrolled, I don't really know how much that matters anymore because he didn't really get to have that spring work, but I think he's going to be a green light when we do have a season. And I think those three guys play such similar brands of football that you can really Rotate those pieces out and not change what you're doing. But when you're, I don't have the schedule in front of me. Let's say when you're at Indiana and it's 29 degrees and it's the fourth quarter and you had to deal with, you know, Pat Fryermuth, you know, just destroying your linebackers over the middle. And then you had to deal with three insanely fast, talented running backs. And then you shift over to Noah Kane who just wants to run people over. No, defense is going to be all that willing or all that motivated or even have that much energy left to want to bring a guy down like that. So I'm a huge proponent of the leave Noah Kane as your fourth quarter guy to put it away. When Like last year, what was it? That insane 19 minute drive um, that they had to close out the Indiana game. I don't think Kane was healthy for that game. But if you have Noah Kane able to do that where he can just wear dudes down, you can bleed a ton of clock and really put games away. And that, that's the role I wanna see them in. Not saying that Noah Kane, you know, can't be, you know, the first, second down, back. I just don't think for Pennsick to have their best chance to win, I think Kane kinda has to do what he did a lot of last year when he was healthy.
0: Yeah, it's it's a really interesting question when you think about Noah Kane, because like you said, he obviously and very clearly has the talent to be a three down back. He doesn't need to be put into a specific role to succeed, but with how loaded he didn't come
1: to Penn state to not be a three down back,
0: right? With how loaded Penn state's backfield is right now. They, they, at least for this year before journey Brown goes, surely goes off to the NFL. They have a really unique opportunity to use Kane in that role. And it may not make him necessarily happy, but he also knows that he also surely knows he still has the rest of his Penn state career to look forward to. And he'll have an even greater share of the cares the year after. Um, it's yeah, I mean it there are a lot of advantages to using Kane in very certain ways because he has a skill set that will just demoralize Big Ten defenses towards the end of the game and in cold weather. And it's I think it's gonna be a really interesting storyline to follow this year or whenever the season happens, as far as how the running backs get used. I totally agree.
1: Yeah, I think you can really use Journey Brown and Devin Ford in the same role. Um, cause they homes, they're going to need four backs. I think you just need four backs at this point. I think he's the next logical guy. I think he can play the kind of that Ricky Slade role. Um, be a really good pass catcher. be a really great change of pace guy, occasionally rip off a big play and then leave Noah Kane doing what he does best and just make him make linebackers really sad that they have to run into a bowling ball.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So shifting from what is maybe the best position group on the offense, I don't want to talk about this. to the most uncertain position group on the offense. Let's talk about the wide receivers. So there are probably upwards of 50 questions we could ask about this unit realistically. But the more we hear about the very limited time they did have in the weight room and the more we just project out the roster and the depth chart for the upcoming season, the more it becomes clear that it's going to take a significant contribution from at least one or two freshmen or redshirt freshmen on the current depth chart. In order to help take this team to what they are aspiring to get to, which of course is the playoff, do you how many of those guys stepping up do you think it's going to take in order for this team to truly make a run? We know what they have in Jahan Dotson, it seems like they're pretty happy with what they potentially have in Daniel George. Obviously, we have Pat Fryermuth, who's as solid as they come at tight end how many of those younger guys, redshirt freshmen and true freshmen, do you think need to step up in order for something special to happen next season?
1: I don't know how much stock he wanted to put into the depth chart we got without a spring ball because, um, Micah Parsons was the starting kick returner oh. and Jordan Stout was both the starting kicker and holder, which is really what? Funny what a, a five it.
0: minutes that was before they released the updated
1: one. It was terrific. Um, I think that TJ Jones's name appearing pretty high up was not a fluke because that did not seem like it was in the same vein of ridiculousness as the other other stuff was, which is really surprising to me because I think of the redshirt freshman we had, John Dunmore was always looked at as that next guy, the guy who was going to be that dude. He was the, you know, more sought after recruit. He was the guy that I think got a little bit more buzz on the scout team last year. So, I think TJ Jones has really set himself up to be a pretty big part of the offense. I think John Dunmore is going to be in there too. And then now I think with the way everything shook out in terms of the pandemic, the guys who got there early um, of the receiver group, which was Keandre Lambert Smith and Jaden Dotton, I still think we're going to see Keandre Lambert Smith get out there. And then, of course, we have Parker Washington coming a little bit later and Malik Mega and Norval Black. There's a lot of guys I forgot to mention. Anyway, I think Keandre Lambert Smith is for sure going to be a green light. And then Parker Washington's a kid who we always thought was going to be really refined. And, you know, just with outside of maybe some training things that had to be shifted a little bit with him down in Texas, he should still pretty much be on track. If, you know, the calendar does hold up the way it was expected to, you know, where those guys get there in in early June, Parker Washington could still have a really good inside route to some early playing time. So I think we're really going to see a good amount of TJ Jones and Keandre Lambert Smith, I think are going to be the two. Redshirt freshmen and/or true freshmen who I think are gonna get the biggest chunk of rotations. But I think John Dunmore can really push and get, can really come on strong as we get closer to September 5th, if, they, if that date does hold.
0: So, how about this? Of that group you just named, so Jones, Dunmore, Smith, Smith Lamp or Lambert Smith, and um, Dun and Dun Dunmore, and let's see, let's let's throw a Parker Washington in there too. Okay. So, of that group of five. How many guys in that group do you see surpassing 10 catches next season?
1: Oh, man. Dunmore. TJ Jones. Oh, man. Keandre Lambert-Smith. Oh, and Parker Washington's the one I'm on the fence about. That's a lot of dudes because you have to account for Pat, the running backs, Jahan, Daniel George. I'll leave it at the guys I mentioned. I'll leave it at that. How about you?
0: I, I think I agree with that. I, I, I'm I not sure that I would say... Did, did you include Parker Washington in that?
1: I, I left him out. Okay, I, yeah. I, I, I agree I, with but that. It's, it, here's the thing. It's killing me, too, because I know how highly we all think of him.
0: I could very easily see Parker Washington passing 10 um, just from garbage time, because I, yeah. I think he'll be a guy that... If his route running is as um, as advertised, I think he'll be a guy who will be able to make some noise in garbage time because teams won't be expecting necessarily great route running in that spot, especially from a true freshman. Um, I, I agree, though. I think I think those three are probably good for 10 catches, especially when you consider, like you said, yes, there are lots of mouths to feed, but again, Dotson and Fryermuth are the only proven entities on the offense. So I think, especially early on, I do expect there to be at least some degree of really spreading the ball around, especially, too, when you consider that uh, Clifford no longer has KJ Hamler to force passes to, for better or worse. Um, I'm so
1: pumped. I'm so pumped to not have to just immediately know when it's, like, third and eight that he's going to KJ. It worked a lot of the time, but it's such a luxury to know that he could potentially have, you know, a really good relationship with as many as, like, five other dudes.
0: It, It is a very strange... Because on the one hand, obviously, Penn State is going to miss K.J. Hamler. He is a dynamic playmaker who can do things that very few other people on this planet can do. But at the same time, in order for Clifford to truly grow as a quarterback, I think Hamler leaving was necessary. And in order to help his development and help him be able to become someone who spreads the ball around more, he needs to not have that security blanket, so to speak. And not that there aren't guys that won't become that security blanket. I mean, Pat Fryermuth is as security blanket as they come. Dude catches everything. But uh, I think it'll be good for Clifford in the long run. Speaking of Pat Fryermuth, let's move on to the tight ends here. Something that has been talked about a lot since Kirk Shiraka took this job with Penn State is his lack of history of usage of tight ends. It just has never really been much a, a terribly important part of his offense. That being said, he's never had Pat Fryermuth. He's never had a tight end position group that looks like what Penn State has with, let's see, was Brenton Strange a four-star? I don't yep. think he was. Okay. I think he was, yeah. So that's a position group with four blue chippers. Uh, I think all, s- well, Koontz and- well, Koons. no, Koontz was, Koontz redshirted when Fryermuth didn't. So I think they're all spread out, even year, one year apart if I'm thinking about it correctly. Kuntz
1: would have been... Yeah, so Frymouth true junior. Kuntz is a redshirt sophomore. Uh, Strange is a redshirt freshman, and Theo's a true freshman. Then you got Tyler Warren, who nobody has any idea what he is or how he plays or if he's even a real thing.
0: Yeah, so four out of five kids in the room, blue chips, and Tyler Warren, maybe not a blue chip kid, but everybody knows how incredibly interesting a prospect he is. So easily, easily, the deepest tight end room he's had, and of course, very top heavy considering the fact that Pat Frymouth is the best tight end in college football heading into the next season. What do you see the role of the tight end being in Kirk Scirocco's first Penn State offense? Um, and then as an aside, do you think the second tight end is going to have a role? Because we saw last year in 2019, Nick Bowers playing that second tight end role was very relevant. He was often on the field and made a nice, made a nice impact there too.
1: I have such a cop-out answer to this question because I honestly don't know. I, I don't know. I
0: mean, know. None, of us, none of us do. That's fine.
1: I, I I honestly have no idea what to expect. T- Tyler Bowen is the co-offensive coordinator. I think that's an important thing to to bring up in this scenario because I think he's really going to introduce some plays to Kirk that really set up, whether it's Friermuth or in the two tight end set, set up the guys in that room for success because Penn State – Penn State's one of the schools that can go out there and can get elite tight ends. Kirk's never coached at a school that has that. No disrespect to Western Michigan, no disrespect to Minnesota, no disrespect to Delaware. Those just aren't programs that are gonna go out there and get human beings who can do the things that top end division one tight ends can do.
0: By the way, honestly huge, have no idea huge what credit. It's gonna look like what I'll say, by the way, huge credit to Ricky Ronnie and Tyler Bowen for reshaping that tight end room too. Because oh, that was time. not the case. Penn State was not this premier tight end destination four years ago. Ah,
1: maybe a little bit. That was like Jesse James, Kyle Carter, Adam Brenneman,
0: well, Mike Gesicki. Right. I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say they weren't a premier destination, but like Mike Gesicki was, Brenneman and Gesicki were the outliers. Like C- Carter and James and those guys, yes, they they were really great tight ends and they went on to do uh, good things, but they still weren't reeling in a blue-chip tight end every year during
1: those times. That's true. That's true. That's a good point. Um, I forgot, lost my train of thought. But by at large, I, I am not really sure what Kirk has because we've never seen it. So this is what I'm going to have to punt on. And I'm just going to say this is where we really get to see what kind of offensive mind Tyler Bowen has. I think he's going to have a lot of responsibility in, in piecing together the part of the playbook that is based around the position he coaches.
0: And I, I do think along the same lines of thinking about what Chiracca's offenses have been in the past. We saw it firsthand last year when Minnesota beat Penn state, they are very that willing. They're very willing to send receivers over the middle of the field. And I think that that's something that they can very easily, and he can very easily do with Pat Friermuth. Uh We know how difficult it is to cover him. And I think we'll see him running a lot of crossing patterns over the middle as a result. Um, I, I, yeah, it's I. I personally don't think the second tight end is going to have as much of a role this year as it did last year. I, just because knowing, just seeing Sharaka's offenses, it doesn't really seem like he wants to clog the line of scrimmage necessarily with extra bodies like that. He wants to keep things spread out. So I don't think we'll see as much from whoever wins that second job, whether it's Zach Coons or Brenton Strange or Theo Johnson, whoever it is. But. I I do think Pat Friarmuth is still going to have plenty of opportunities to show that he's a baller.
1: I really want to see his Zach Coon's package. I, I've said this for years. There, there's no way there's not a, a set of plays, or even if it's just like three near the goal line, where it's just like, all right, you have a slot corner. Like if you, let's say, how do I want to set this play up? Let's say you take Daniel George and you put him out wide on the right, because Clifford's a righty. And then you take Jahan, you put him out on the left, and then you're going to put... Kuntz in the slot on the right and you have George run like a, like the Allen Robinson midline screen and then you send Kuntz out on like look at me I'm drawing up plays Kirk hire me. <laughs> yeah. and then all, you, Only then,
0: I can see you right now Matt.
1: I know that's I know, I'm know i doing stuff with my hands. and Alright so then you send Kuntz out on kind of like a flag po- uh, flag pattern and he just goes out and you're either going to have a linebacker or a slot corner on him. That's a touchdown every time. My- Kirk and or Tyler Bowen you're, feel free to take that play I think I got it from like NCAA 14
0: my bold Zach Coons prediction is that I I think maybe maybe 15 catches this year at most. Wow! I think I think no way. I think after Pat Frymouth leaves, I think Zach Coons as a what that'll make him a redshirt red junior. junior. I either his redshirt junior or redshirt senior year. I think Zach Coons catches 10 touchdowns in a season.
1: Wow! I, if I'm not mistaken. What class were they? Were they the 2019 recruiting class?
0: Uh Oh, boy. What are we on now? I think they were 2018. I think they were
1: 2019. I think they were 2019.
0: Because this current class is 2020. No, so they were 2018. I'm pretty sure about that. Were
1: they that. 2018? Because 2019... Oh, yeah, 2019 would have been true freshman last year. Yeah. I want to say that Kuntz was ranked higher than Friarman.
0: Oh, no, he was. I know that for a fact. Was he? Okay. Oh, yeah. All right, never mind then. Yeah, K- Kuntz was... I believe he was like a 95 over like uh, 95 well. on 247. Uh was for a long time a borderline four star. He was like a like a 0.90 guy on the composite. I think he may have moved up to like a 0.91, area by the time he That prep
1: school year helped him out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, but yeah, no. Koontz was 100% ranked ahead of Fryermuth.
1: But Koontz was always looked at as more of a project because he's huge and it's hard. It's hard to bulk up at that size while you're living, you know, at home as a 16, 17 year old.
0: Exactly, and Koontz was also much better suited to the uh, to the camp, the camp world than Frymouth was. Um, the one that one camp I got to go to in New Jersey, it was very clear just seeing like fast feet drills and stuff like that. Um, Koontz just blew Frymouth away and stuff like that. Frymouth feet were very slow for stuff like that. But um, once you got once you have a full defense on the field and you got pads and helmets on, it, it was fairly obvious that Fryermuth was going to be a guy who's going to be able to make an impact sooner than Koontz. And like you said, Koontz just, he still is working to fill out that frame. That's why I think when he's finally ready to do, to get on a football field at the play and weight he needs to be at, I think he's going to bust out in a major way.
1: Wow. So just going back, you said 10 catches this year for Koontz
0: uh i said fewer than 15 just because i'd uh, okay yeah wow that That's,
1: might be the boldest take i think you've had in a while
0: i i think the 10 touchdowns as a redshirt junior is a bolder take
1: no i don't think so i don't think so i think ah uh, wow you wait That's great what do you think is gonna do this year i think he i honestly i have no idea i i was hoping for maybe like Six catches total. In See, like
0: a I, I, I don't act. I'm not saying that I think he's gonna get like ten. I'm just, I'm just putting fifteen out there as like a, like he a hundred percent in no reality is passing this number. Like even best case scenario is not passing that number at all.
1: Okay, if he gets to fourteen catches, I'm. What am I gonna do? <laughs> I'll write, write three hundred words about each catch, and I'll have it be like the longest article in the world, <laughs> and all that. I'll make then I'll have bad Matt edit it. Right. So nobody has a good time.
0: Deal. Uh, so speaking of tight ends, then, we talked about how we don't expect Chirac to be someone to clog up the offensive line with extra tight ends. And oh, This is a pro transition. That could very well be because this might finally be the year that the offensive line is hashtag good. Is it, Matt? Is, it, is this the year that this unit finally becomes one of the better units in the country?
1: This feels like a conversation we're having in like 2016, and then 2017, <laughs> and then 2018, and then 2019. It's and it's now essentially it's today the same question. Next year.
0: <laughs> it's essentially the same question as is this finally the year Penn State basketball is going to be good?
1: <laughs> but it was. It, it was. was the year Penn State basketball was good. Um, is this the year the line becomes one of the best in the country? Oh, man. I am so excited about this unit because I think there is legitimately. 10 dudes you can put on the field at any given time, and not a single one of them will look overwhelmed. So, right off the bat, we're going to have the starting five, which is going to be Rashid Walker, who's a stud. Left guard, it looks like that's going to be Mike Miranda, who played a lot of football. If I remember correctly, I think he outsnapped CJ Thorpe, but that's also because he got some work at center. So, a really experienced dude. Center, you got Michael Mennett back again, probably your best offensive lineman, maybe the best interior lineman in the conference. Right guard, you have C.J. Thorpe, who is going to eat people. And then right tackle, you have Will Fries, who for, you know, whatever you think about Will Fries, he's played a lot of football and, and has been productive for a good, for a good, at least a good chunk of it. And then outside of that, Des Holmes is a dude who was really the first lower rated offensive lineman. We, every year, Franklin takes kind of a lower rated guy who turns out to be more of a project and rarely do they hit. Des Holmes got in the field as a redshirt sophomore as that dude and, and came on in some pretty big scenarios. So I think he's only going to get better and I think he's a guy they have a lot of confidence in um Anthony Wigan, the number one junior college offensive lineman they got away with red him last year if you were to tell me that in like 2015 or 2016 I would call you a liar like th- there's no way Penn State has the depth to get pulled that off they have him uh every from everything I read it looks like Juice Scruggs is ready to go ready to play that that's huge that's a guy who was one of the top interior linemen in his class and now he's healthy and ready to go that's a guy who can really I think work in there and kind of play a limited role as he still gets back uh, from, from his car accident he was in a little bit over a year ago now. And then at right tackle, to round things out, I, I think I'm going to go with nine because I don't know about the other guard. probably going to be Bryce Effner, But Caden Wallace, who was a really, really high four-star kid, who probably, if the redshirt rule wasn't in effect— probably would have been a green light from the start. But he's one of the guys who you can kind of see that, you know, instead of wasting a year on him, they could kind of see like, okay, there's really not enough snaps to go around for him. So that's nine dudes who can go in there and really make an impact. I don't know very many other programs in the Big Ten who have the ability to say that.
0: Yeah, no, you're totally right. It's the the depth of this offensive line group is, it. if you you had imagined what this line could do, maybe look like back in 2014, 2015. Even the wildest guesses wouldn't have produced a a line that looks like this, both in terms of the recruiting pedigree and in terms of experience and in terms of actual production that we've seen. Like you said, Will Fries and Rasheed Walker is about as good of a tackle combination that you can hope for in the Big Ten. Rasheed Walker is a guy that I I, honestly I don't know if I heard his name once on a broadcast last year and for a redshirt freshman that is a fantastic thing it's a fantastic thing Um, will fries you know we, we we've documented will fries occasional struggles but he's also had moments of brilliance if you remember back when he was a redshirt freshman starting at left tackle against Michigan at home completely shut down Rashawn Gary. Like, that's, that's the kind of talent you have sitting out there at right tackle. Oh, yeah, I
1: forgot that happened. Yeah,
0: that's the kind of talent you have sitting out there at right tackle. And then uh, we know what C.J. Thorpe can do at right guard. We know what Michael Menett can do at center. And then I think that Mike Miranda could actually very sneakily be an upgrade over Steven Gonzalez. I, I know Gonzo was really solid for all four years. All four years. I think he started four years. For the whole time I he was so. a starter. Um, he was really solid, but I think Mike Miranda has a higher ceiling. And the fact that he already has so much playing time, like you mentioned, he's played left guard, right guard, and center already in his career. And now he's finally ready to take a starting role. I think. I'm that... looking at. Go ahead.
1: Sorry, go ahead. All right, I'll go. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I pulled up the 2015 roster just because I'm curious. And I think there are legitimately two, maybe three dudes on the offensive line who I think could see anything close to consistent snaps and that's probably Ryan Bates at right tackle but we'll see what Caden Wallace is Stephen Gonzalez but we'll see and then Brendan Mann and I think those are the only three dudes in this entire position room who I think would even sniff the field
0: yeah you're probably right I mean it's it is night and day and I won't I won't go through the entire reserve chart since you already did that but like you said, there's a ton of talent in the wings too. Like they Penn State's second string offensive line is probably better than the starting an offensive line in 2014. I, it's oh, not. Oh my
1: God. Oh my. Yep. Yeah, Nick, that's the best take you ever had. 100%. I 100% agree with that.
0: The best take I've ever had. That wow. is.
1: I love that take. Wow. Mostly because I have such a disdain for the 2015 offensive <laughs> line because my first game as a student was 2015 Temple.
0: I uh, so I re I recently got a new laptop and as part of that process I was pulling everything off of my old laptop and dropping it in the Dropbox so I could bring it over to this new one and one of the th- <laughs> one of those files was uh, a GIF that was just titled LOL.gif and it was Hackenberg getting sacked on the two man rush against Oh <laughs> no
1: please send that to me
0: <laughs> Oh I'll I'll put it I'll send it to you I'll also put it in the post on the site yes. for this podcast <laughs> You have to <laughs> Oh my God. So, so funny. Uh, But yeah, I I mean, like this, this is the best Penn State's offensive line has been positioned in a long, long time. And they are not set up to go away anytime soon. They will, yes, they'll lose Michael Mennett and Will fries for sure after this year. But like you mentioned, they have, they have juice Scruggs waiting at the ring waiting in the wing, who is a top five center nationally in his recruiting class they have Des Holmes, who has plenty of experience. Caden Wallace might be the guy who steps up at right tackle there. Uh, C.J. Thorpe and Mike Miranda still have at least one more year after this one, and Rasheed Wa- Rashid Walker, Rasheed Wallace, Rasheed Walker <laughs> theoretically <laughs> theoretically could jump to the NFL if he has an outstanding season this year. I don't, I don't think that's particularly likely, but he's got at least he has three more years on campus if he wants him. So, this. Do you
1: think Rasheed Wallace could? Um, start on a Power Five football team right now, like in 2020. Do you think Rasheed Wallace could get on the field? As I think he 100% a, could.
0: As what position?
1: Probably receiver.
0: I would say if you as a tight end, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think Rasheed Wallace could for sure play college football right now as like a <laughs> 39 year old. He's probably older than 39. Whatever.
0: I'm actually I'm, I'm kind Wallace of amazed since. that I haven't made that mistake. Every time we talk about Rashid Walker, because that's my first instinct when I say Rashid Wa is always to finish it with Wallace every single time. Like,
1: I'm still afraid to say Siraka. Damn it, I almost did it. Siraka, <laughs> because I, I always say Siracha, because Matt <laughs> did it one time and it broke my brain.
0: Hey, if if his play calls are spicy enough this year, we'll call him wow. Kirk. We'll call him Kirk Shiraka. I can't even wow. say it. I, I tried to say it that time and I couldn't say it not correctly. <laughs> God, we'll call him Kirk sriracha if his play calls are spicy enough um i don't know man. i'm kind of thinking we should save defense for the for the next podcast here i'm
1: think i'm thinking so too i'm sure people who are out traveling safely at a safe distance for their for their memorial day weekend i think they're they're probably pulling up pretty close to their destinations
0: yeah so w- instead we're going to cap this off with i'm going to pull out my phone here or get my questions down i'm <coughs>
1: low-key terrified of this
0: so i think you know i i understand that those of you listening you probably don't really care that much about who matt and i are as people but you know we're we're getting through this quarantine together so i i i thought of some fun questions just to some get to know you type questions uh i've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately somehow i thought my podcast listening would go down without having my commute to work but i've just been listening to them every time i work out so i've been able to first if you if you are a fan of scrubs and you are not listening to the scrubs rewatch podcast with zach braff and donald on, you need to start listening immediately because it is an incredible podcast not safe for work don't listen to it with children but it is absolutely hysterical and oh my god that's what inspired me for this because they they ask some questions of each other once in a while. So
1: I've been I've been listening to a lot of Oh Hello the podcast, which is uh, which is Nick Kroll and John Mulaney as ooh. their characters from Oh Hello. They're trying to figure out if Princess Diana was murdered <laughs> by just by pretty much just asking people they know, and it's horribly <laughs> stupid, but it's pretty funny.
0: <laughs> the I, the podcast the podcast world right now is just overflowing with great podcasts since everybody's stuck indoors there's that there's the uh the darkest timeline podcast with joel McHale and yep. kim jong vacation um, bible school vacation bible school with jason kirk who hopefully will be able to join us on a podcast soon when we get into our what if series that hopefully we'll be able to do next month um there's the the office ladies rewatching the office jenna fisher and angela kinsey are doing that um yeah it's 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 a good time for podcast, even even with the unfortunate uh demise of the shutdown fall cast, but um yeah. But let's get into this here. So let's my, do it. My first question, Matt. <clears throat> what is the first movie that you remember crying at? Not the first movie you were told you cried at, the first movie that you remember crying at. Oh
1: man. I don't
0: honestly I
1: don't think I've ever. Here's the thing. I'm 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 afraid of everything, so I've never seen a scary movie before. Like I've never seen like a slasher. Movie, I've, I've only never seen, seen one. Movie. I
0: hate scary movies. Yeah,
1: never seen scary movies. Never seen it. I don't think I've cried at any movie. I honestly, I, I don't think. I'm sure. I, I maybe when I was a kid, Pokemon the first movie when Ash turns mm. to stone. That might be. That, that's a. I might that's have,
0: a good answer. I think I cried I, at that.
1: I don't remember if I did. I'm sure I did. I don't. I honestly don't have a solid answer.
0: I know for me a- for me the first movie I definitely remember crying at when I was really young was the Tigger movie.
1: Oh, I had that on VHS.
0: Yeah. I nice. I remember we saw that in theaters with my family and I remember crying at that. I have no idea how old I was, but I definitely <laughs> have a memory of crying at the Tigger movie. Nice. Um I believe I believe there's part of it where they like he decides to leave because he feels like he doesn't fit in with anybody and that it, it got to me. It got to me. I do also remember crying in the theaters at um, the first time I saw Up.
1: Okay. Oh yeah, I probably cried during Up. Up's really good. Yeah. I think I've cried from laughing. I absolutely adore the Scooby-Doo movies. I think a lot <laughs> of people know that about me. I think I the, this is laughing.
0: the this is the my favorite part of your personal brand is the Scooby-Doo I, love.
1: I absolutely love Scooby-Doo. I didn't watch Scooby yet because I'm really I have a lot of takes on the new Scoob movie. Um, but I I think the funniest scene probably in movie history is when. Scooby is on Spooky Island and somebody calls the bar and they say, I got a call for Mr. Do. And this kid stands up and goes, Melvin Do. And then Scooby just goes, or the guy goes, nah, Scooby Do. And the guy says he has hamburgers for him. It's a monster in the woods. He goes out in the woods to get the hamburgers and there's just a note like hammered to a tree that says hamburgers and it just points like an empty bag. It's so stupid and it always makes me laugh. It's the dumbest movie in the world and I love it so much. Oh my
0: God. Stay tuned for uh, Matt's Matt's Scooby-Doo movie rewatch podcast coming uh, coming to Spotify soon. Do
1: you know the funny thing that's not inaccurate? I, everyone knows I've taken Penn State's uh, famous podcasting class. That was my, pod- my personal <laughs> podcast, was something called Scooby-Doo Movie Review, because everybody in the class did it about sports, and I already, I already do this about sports, so I'm like, I would do something fun and new, so I watched watch Scooby-Doo movies with my friends, and then we would recap them. <laughs> it was the stupidest idea I've ever had, and it worked really well for a grade.
0: Maybe we should somehow incorporate a rewatch into this podcast at some point as we continue oh through quarantine. God. We'll pick something oh. good. Aside from Penn State games, we could always do that. that but That's that, true. That's boring. Um, okay, next question. What is your favorite food? Oh, my
1: favorite. I have a peanut allergy. That's something that I think is a big part of who I am as a person. My favorite food. Oh, man. I I like chicken wings a lot, but that's such a basic answer. I like a good cheesesteak. Mm. Uh, living in Florida, there was no good place to get a really good cheesesteak. So I like I like a really good cheesesteak a lot. Um, chicken cheesesteak always, I know that's, uh, that's viewed as, as sinful by some people, but chicken cheesesteaks are infinitely better.
0: You, you just made such a large portion of our listenership. So angry by I saying know. That. right
1: after, right after I said it, I'm like, yeah, people are going to be mad at me. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, for me,
0: for me as a, as a good New Jersey boy, um, I do love pizza. Uh, but it has to be New Jersey, New York pizza. Cause that's every, nothing else is actually pizza. Um, oh, deep dish is great. But the same, oh, the same goes for the same goes for bagels. Um, all bacon, egg, and cheese is probably my my go-to. I could eat that any time of day meal as long as it's a real bagel. I'll never forget the first time I went to my wife's home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and her mom asked if we wanted to have bagels for breakfast, and I said sure, and I was given a bagel out of a one of those you know the like the bagged bagels you buy at the grocery store oh yeah oh my
1: god wow that's that's a that's sinful to you
0: oh oh my god those are an affront to humankind god wow so awful. can
1: i be honest with you i don't like bagels at all oh see like, this, not at all
0: this is what happens when you don't grow up with real bagels or real oh pizza's different because you know i there is a difference between good pizza and bad pizza but the difference is much smaller, in my opinion, than good bagels versus bad bagels. But when you don't grow up with good bagels, you don't appreciate bagels. Wow. That's, that's, my, that's my bagel opinion.
1: I'm not crazy about bagels. Never have been.
0: <laughs> um, who was the first team that you remember rooting for growing up?
1: First team. My first college football game was a Rutgers game. Um Ooh. but I grew up in a Penn State family, so Penn State was always like the number one the number one team for me. I think when like when you're a little kid and like you're like, oh I'm like I live somewhat close to Philadelphia, so like I'm all about the Eagles. So like I had a, my first jersey was like I think it was I think it was Deshaun Jackson. I had a Deshaun Jackson jersey. Um but it was always it was always Penn State and then the Eagles and then kinda as I got older, it then it just kinda just shifted to like by the time I was in like seventh or eighth grade, then it was just like all Penn State.
0: My first college football game was my first Penn State game when I was a freshman. Before what? that, I did not go to a college football game. Wow. Um, yeah, because I never went to a Rutgers game. The only other one I would have gone, I mean, i my dad went to Columbia. We weren't going to go to a Columbia football game. Um, and I did not get to... You're missing out. <laughs> I didn't get to go to my mom's alma mater, which is Washington State, until I was visiting there as a high school student thinking about going to college there so i never went to a game out there either um, so yeah my first my first college game was my first penn state game when i was a freshman so until how many
1: stadiums have you been to
0: college stadiums yeah uh two penn beaver state St- beaver stadium beaver St- and Rutgers.
1: Oh yeah, I guess you would have gone to the Rutgers game. Okay,
0: <clears throat> yeah, I actually I I've been to Rucker I've been to two Rutgers games. One of my one of my good friends went to Rutgers, and a freshman year I visited him for a weekend, and I saw Rutgers play. I think Syracuse. That was when Rasheem Green was still oh, there. Oh God! That was when Rasheem Green was still there playing linebacker for Rutgers. So he was fun. Was that
1: the Was that the Big East?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was. Nice. That was. He had a big game that day too. He had like twelve tackles and like two forced fumbles and a pick, something like that. He was great. Threat. Um. And then I went to the Penn State Rutgers game, uh, the last the last one that was in New Jersey. So it wasn't. Was that last year?
1: Was it not? No, that was two years ago. So not that not the Gary Nova one.
0: Oh right, no, because this past fall I was here in Washington. Yeah, the so two years ago. Yeah, it was, that was the a gross game. I think Art. I think Art Sikowski was still the quarterback for that game. Maybe
1: he's he's only a redshirt sophomore yeah, this year.
0: Oh my god. Um, but yeah, so the I'm very far off the question. My first favorite team was the the Mariners. Um, oh yeah, that's right. You are a Mariners. Yeah, yeah. That was my first favorite team. That was the first. That was the first. No, it wasn't the first stadium I've been to, but one of the first stadiums I went to. The I'm trying to think, a very close second is the Nets because I think wow, I think that was the first stadium I was ever in the Continental Airlines Arena in the Meadowlands when they were still in New wow. Jersey um they weren't my favorite basketball team because I was a Sonics fan but that I think that was the them and then R&B. the and the Rangers in Madison Square Garden and the Devils who also played Continental Airlines Arena at the time those were all pretty pretty early on um
1: well, a yeah. rare Nets fan
0: yeah and I I did I did like the Colts when I was younger too. The Seahawks were still my team, but I did like the Colts also. I, I was a big Peyton, Peyton Manning, Manning fan? fan. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That was a, yeah, that's gotta be it.
0: Big Peyton Manning fan. Really liked uh really liked Marvin Harrison, really liked Bob Sanders. That was a fun that was a fun group. Um okay, and then the last question for today do you remember the first jersey that you owned and who it no, was? I just said it. Did you?
1: I missed that. It was Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. Oh I hit, right. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 I had Deshaun Jackson jersey. So that would have been I was I would have been like relatively older to getting your first jersey because I think when did G, Djax come in the league? 2010? No, he played with Rogers and Rogers was drafted in '05, right? Did he play with Rogers? Hmm. At Cal? Oh, this is. I maybe don't D-Jax know. Djax might Djax might have come in the league in 2008.
0: Here, while so, while you, while you look it up, I'll say my first my first, yeah, my first jersey was Jason Sehorne, Um on the Giants. Obviously, uh, the to my recollection, still to this day, the last white cornerback in the NFL. I don't think there <laughs> has been one since him. Um, but growing up in New Jersey, all all of my friends are Giants fans, and I've always I was all, I've always had a soft spot for the Giants. Obviously, even more more a little more than a soft spot now that Saquon's there and. Grant Haley's there and Austin Johnson is there and Chaos is there so a lot of a lot of Penn State connections. Um okay. but yeah, Jason Seahorn, that was my first jersey.
1: Okay, it was Deshaun Jackson. And it was 2008. So I would have been a little bit older than to get my first jersey. I would have been like 11 during his rookie year. So yeah. I had him I want to say I had a Ron Jaworski jersey that I bought somewhere because it was like when he was doing the commercial, I thought it was funny, which objectively <laughs> it is. But it was like funny and then it was lame and like now that I'm an adult, I'm like, that was actually pretty funny again. <laughs> and then when I would go down to the Jersey Shore, shout out Wildwood, uh, oh. I would win a lot of Jersey t-shirts. Um, yeah, and I'm going to say, is this one I'm wearing? I'm wearing? a Phillies one right now. Yeah. It's not one. I want, to call, I want to call Hamels one in a claw machine at... <laughs> I think it was Mariners. Is that the name? Of, do you are you are you familiar with Wildwood? Right, so
0: once you once you hit Point, mm, yeah, Point Pleasant ish, and south of that, like aside from LBI, which is not really it, LBI, isn't really part of this. But once you go south of Point Pleasant, those those beaches are not where New Jerseyans typically go. We leave that to all you Philly people. We we pretty much stay north of there. So I personally have never been to Wildwood
1: okay yeah i think it was mariners i think it was mariners arcade on the wildwood boardwalk i won a cole hamill's um jersey t-shirt shirzy as they're effectively mm. called
0: yeah yeah i'm trying to think this i so jer- i have a i have a big problem with buying jerseys i can't stop i i own upwards really? of 100 jerseys Um what
1: you own 100 jerseys like oh, yeah. now
0: yeah, yeah yeah dude yeah no no it's a problem i'm aware but
1: who's the most obscure one you have right now that you wear somewhat like with oh, regularity,
0: man, the most obscure one that I wear regularly. See, that's the, I wouldn't even say that I wear any of them regularly. That's what makes yeah, my problem even more ridiculous that <laughs> I don't I don't really even wear them that much. I I mean, I have some really, really terrible Mariners jerseys like I have a nice. Sean Figgins I have a, I have, I have all of the fail, the trio of the uh, failed Mariners prospects. I have Dustin Ackley, Justin Smoke, and Jesus Montero. Wow. Um, I have an Aaron Curry Seahawks jersey that I bought the day after he was drafted. Uh, man. I mean, the bas- the the basketball ones I have are probably the most random, just because you know especially in college like you know find that one website that would change its name every week so you could still order them from china or wherever it was so i've got like a spud web i have a i have an orange bobcats and mecca okafor jersey why um i've got a john stockton jersey i really like that one. Oh, you know what my most random jersey might be my keith van horn nicks jersey Wow, that's a why good one. Why would you
1: Why would you own that? That that's one, I amazing. that
0: one, I got at a at a thrift shop.
1: Yikes! From when my uh, my college roommate graduated semester before us, so he was uh he was the fall before us, and for his graduation present, I went out and I tracked it down. He's a huge Eagles fan, so I found a Donovan McNabb Redskins jersey just to spite wow. him. Wow! Yeah, right. It was like three dollars. Wow!
0: For this remind there there used to be. So one of uh, two of my friends lived in um, in Sinking Springs, Pennsylvania. Yeah, um, they both went to the Wil- to Wilson High School, so that that area. Oh, it's um, right by it's
1: literally right by the valley. Probably.
0: Yeah, so there used to be a store. I have, uh, it's, I think it started with a V. Maybe I don't know what it was called, but there was a store that. Um, it was right near there that uh, my buddy actually got me a Nick Foles jersey from there because I bear a somewhat of a resemblance to Nick Foles, so I went as him for Halloween. For you a do look like Nick
1: Foles. Yeah, I'm aware. Well, um, that's I get. I've gotten. Who have I got? I've gotten Sam Darnold. Yeah. I've gotten Baker Mayfield. Um, when I had a beard, I got Baker Mayfield playing basketball one time. So I was bringing the ball up, and some dude <laughs> said, "I got Baker for the rest of his team," and I literally could not stop <laughs> laughing. Uh, I get Mason Rudolph <laughs> a lot. I got Mason Rudolph a good bit because I, I was do. Say, I do. Unfortunately,
0: I do... Mason Rudolph is the best. The best one. I, I know. Think.
1: I do look like Mason Rudolph. I know I do. Is that? All? I think that's all I've gotten. I haven't gotten anybody else. I don't think. No. Sam Darnold was the. When I used to have big hair and when I worked at Lion's Pride downtown, I was like ringing something out, and some kid just like kept on staring at me, and he's like, "You know, Sam Darnold, right?" And I'm <laughs> like, "Yeah, I know. I get it." <laughs>
0: Yeah, Fol- it's Foles the is the only I must one bear. I've ever gotten.
1: You don't like Nick Foles? I never realized that.
0: Uh, but yeah, so whatever this store was called, it it had it had just ev- like every clothing item you could possibly imagine for unreasonably cheap, and they had an entire sports section with like. It looked like a Phillies team store and an Eagles team store and a Sixers team store and then another separate team store with every team. It was an unbelievable collection of sports apparel. And they had all of these like fully authentic beautiful jerseys for i got a i got a jason bay mets jersey that's another really random one i got a jason, nah, bay- jason
1: bay i feel like was a big enough was a big enough deal when he was at the mets i feel like people were like I, people could be like jason bay was my favorite met
0: i did buy it like four years after everyone realized he was crap though with the mets so okay um <laughs> but i got this fully authentic fully stitched jason bay jersey for like twelve dollars and it was nice it was the most amazing store and it's not there anymore right i i'm pretty sure it started with a v but it was it was the most amazing place and if i if i had lived in that area i would probably be broke from buying every jersey that they have
1: <laughs> oh that'd be awful you can make a wall out of jerseys
0: uh, yeah I, I think i've decided <clears throat> i keep Go telling ahead. my wife that i have plans for our future home for what i'm gonna do with my jerseys like i have these grand plans of building like like a locker for each sport where all the jerseys will hang in there. Who knows if that'll actually happen? Oh my god! We'll see. I
1: think I think I'm gonna be a, a mini helmet guy. I think that's what I'm gonna. Mm. I think every college stadium I go to, I'm gonna try to get a, a mini helmet. But I have I'm gonna have a really sad collection so far <laughs> uh, because it's gonna be Penn State and then it's gonna be <laughs> Rutgers, <laughs> Temple and Pitt.
0: Oh my god!
1: Yeah. That oh. I am I am making another move um, relatively soon, so I can add another Big Ten team uh, to the, I can add our beloved Northwestern Wildcats. Yes, I am, our I am
0: Northwestern even, Wildcats. I
1: know I was I I couldn't take the Florida Heat anymore, and I was I was called home to the uh, to the heart of Big Ten country. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm trying. Is there anything else I collect like that? You know you know those uh those Lego stadiums. Oh yeah, I was gonna yeah. buy one because I need something to do. It's like Foco dot com. They actually I I found. I found a DM that they sent me like a year ago asking if we would advertise for them on our podcast. Um, and I literally didn't see it until a year later. I was like, hey, and they were like, hey, we'll send you like a free Beaver Stadium if you want it. So I, I responded anyway. I was like, hey, sorry, I didn't see this, but I, I bought your Beaver Stadium like a year and a half ago. I love it. Your, your products are awesome. So I will happily plug them. Um, but yeah, I have, I have Beaver Stadium of those. I have um, T-Mobile Park, the Mariner Stadium, and I'm working on the Seahawks Stadium right now. Which nice. is an absurd like fifty seven hundred pieces, so it's taking me forever. Um, we
1: just got a we just got a Beaver Stadium uh, the stripe out puzzle. Ooh,
0: that's a good. That's one. That's what
1: we just got. So that's gonna be the, that's gonna be the strategy for this week. Yeah, strategy. I, I, that's gonna I, be the I activity. Will, I
0: I would highly recommend those those Lego sets. I believe it's f o c o dot com. It's like it's like b r x. I think is what they call them. But be warned: if you get it, you need to have a lot of patience, and you need to accept the fact that your fingers will hurt. They're not like normal Legos; they're tiny, and they can be really hard to push into place. Sometimes, you basically just have to accept that like the tip of your like pointer finger and thumb are gonna be numb as long as you're working on it. But they are they are a lot of fun. I would highly recommend them.
1: Whew! That was an I, impressive ad read. <laughs> I
0: I wish I could go back. And maybe I'll maybe I'll reach out to him again and say, hey. We would love. I would love to do an ad read for you. Just send me like the Avalanche hockey arena when you release that set, whenever that We didn't.
1: Comes. We didn't learn about that in podcasting class. We didn't have an art of the ad read cl- section.
0: That's actually a little surprising. That seems like something. I feel like they we should have had it. Yeah. I feel
1: like. I feel like it would have.
0: All there right, you know. Matt. It's been slightly over an hour now. I think we should probably get out of here. Um, thanks everyone for listening along. If you'd like to support the site.
1: Oh, before I forget, wait, before you go into the spiel, I forgot there's the whole thing I said I was going to do last time. I'm going to, like I said, I was going to do last time, not last week, whenever we recorded last, I'm going to, I'm going to posit a question onto the forum for the listenership to kind of go about going forward. And I kind of just want to hear everybody's thoughts on, what do you think? What question do you think we should, we should key in on?
0: Um, how about you, how about we look at one of those? Yeah. One of the questions that we asked each other, um, What's do the backs one? I like
1: the running backs one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, so I'm gonna post that on the on this on the forum on RoarLionsRoar.com, and it's gonna be will the backs be pigeonholed to certain roles, or can you freely rotate? So that'll be up uh, not long after we hit stop here today.
0: Great. If you'd like to support RoarLions Radio and Roar, Lions Roar, please visit us at RoarLionsRoar.com. You can head to our store. We still have a lot of great merchandise. Um, get some stuff now before the season starts up and we should have some new stuff when we do have a good sense of when the season will be. We'll try to release some new merchandise there. Um, you can always visit our forum, uh, weigh in on the question that Matt's going to post. We love to see activity in there. Uh, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. Uh, please subscribe, leave us a review, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you want to do that, wherever you consume your podcasts. Um, and as always, thanks for listening. We enjoy doing this. We enjoy that you enjoy it, and we enjoy having you around. So, for my co host, Matt Filipovitz, have a good night. Go state. Go, Go state. Way. I can't leave it all alone. I need some faith. I can't do it on my own, but I
1: need my space. I just want to see.